Some cars are comfy on the inside but don't have power on the outside. And some cars have the horsepower but none of the comfort. I used to think there weren't any cars that were the total package. But that all changed when I got my Honda SUV. It's rugged and sophisticated. And right now, Honda has deals on the entire Honda SUV lineup. CRV, HRV, Pilot, Passport, you name it. So if you're looking for a car that's the total package, the only place you'll find it is at your local Honda dealer. Hurry before they're all gone. Welcome again to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Hey, hopefully you know by now that we also have a premium version of this podcast available exclusively at stitcher.com slash notsam. And here's what the premium experience includes. First of all, you're going to get this podcast every single week, every Thursday morning, but you'll get it completely advertisement-free. And as if that wasn't enough, not only will you show your support for Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast in the best possible way, but as a thank you, I will give to you a bonus show. Every other Monday, you'll be able to listen to Captive Audience. Not Sam Wrestling, Captive Audience. Here's what it is. I sit down with somebody who is not a celebrity, who is not a star, who is somebody that probably wouldn't normally be sitting down and watching wrestling, but I do just that. I sit down and I watch wrestling with them. Lately, we've been going over some of the best TV that the WWE Network has to offer. I believe the latest episode has me showing my wife the first episode of Monday Night Raw. There will be an all-new TV special that's going to be going up this Monday for captive audience. And the best part is you get to watch along with it. Turn on the WWE Network, turn the show on, and listen to the podcast as I try to explain to somebody who maybe has a little bit of trouble being convinced why what we're watching is completely awesome and why we wrestling fans do what we do, which is watch wrestling. Listen to captive audience every other Monday along with this here wrestling podcast every Thursday morning on Stitcher Premium. Sign up today. Stitcher.com slash NotSam. And enjoy the show, kids. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Introducing your host from New York, here is Sam Roberts. Whoa there. Whoa, 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 whoa. Relax. Slow down. Sit down. Whatever's stressing you out right now, take it out of your mind. It's time for your great escape of the week. Instead of dealing with work or family or whatever it is, why don't we just deal with wrestling, huh? Let's just sit down for the next 90 minutes or so, maybe longer. And talk wrestling. Let's escape it all. Whether we're sitting in traffic, whether we're at the gym, it doesn't matter. Welcome to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Every week is a big week, and this week is included in that statement. I want to thank you guys for the overwhelming amount of feedback I got on last week's episode. The Mauro Ranallo interview specifically. Uh, So many people reached out on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram thanking Myself, thanking Mauro, even thanking Jim Norton, thanking uh, all of us involved for making that interview part of the wrestling podcast. And I was really, really happy about it. You never know how shows like that are going to go. Not because I don't think they're amazing, because I knew that that would be an amazing story, but because while we spent some time talking about Mauro's 
time in WWE and why he left and joining NXT. Most of the interview was spent talking about the real Mauro Ronaldo. Most of the interview was spent talking about what he's dealing with in terms of his mental health. And I never know how that's going to go over on the wrestling podcast because our goal here is to is to escape real world and talk about wrestling. But the conversation that Morrow is now having in conjunction with his documentary that aired on Showtime last week is a conversation that isn't had enough. And I was so happy to hear from so many of you that related to the symptoms that Morrow was talking about. A lot of the symptoms that Morrow deals with some of them, you know, are more extreme than others, but they all have to do with this idea of mental health, of uh, bipolar disorder, of all this stuff. And a lot of us deal with, whether it's bipolar, whether it's depression, whether it's varying forms, the mental illness spectrum is wide. And so many of the symptoms that we experience are not symptoms that get talked about nearly enough. And it's just not a conversation that gets had. And when you don't have conversations about what you're going through, it makes you feel like you're completely alone. And that's the service that I think Morrow is doing. Morrow is putting a name, putting a face to these feelings that so many of us have felt to one degree or another and really making it clear that this is not an abnormal thing, that this is not a, a thing that people need to experience alone, that this is something that we can deal with and treat and hopefully cure at some point. But so, such great thanks to Mauro Ronaldo for telling that story here on the podcast. I know already when I spoke to him the day we did the interview, he was overwhelmed with the amount of press that he was doing because not only is he going from spot to spot and doing all these interviews, but let's be honest, he's bearing his soul this is his life's work. This is his life. Not even his life's work. This is his life that he's bearing in every interview that he does, and he still manages to share on that level. There's just not that many people that are that open. So big thank you to Mauro Ronaldo. And I tell you, look at the rundown over the last few weeks. Uh, names have included Tom Phillips, Corey Graves, Mauro Ronaldo. Slowly but surely, we are getting through the entire WWE broadcast team. Renee Young was on the podcast a month or two ago, uh, or maybe it was more than that. Maybe it was like three months ago. Either way, it's probably time for an update from Renee. But either way, uh, I wonder who the next broadcaster should be. Who should the next uh, member of the WWE broadcast team that is on Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast, who should that be, huh? Maybe reach out on Twitter or let them know if you want to hear them. Uh, we go back to the West Coast this week, uh, and for my guest on Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast, the guest that I want to share with you. And it's the one and the only X-Pac. X-Pac has been a dear friend of mine for some time, um, and he's been on the podcast a, a few times before. Probably the most memorable time was when we talked to him right after he got busted in the airport and it became a big story. And, you know, go back and listen to that interview. All the episodes of this podcast are available on iTunes and NotSam.com and Spotify and Stitcher and all those spots. Every episode is, is still available for your consumption. Go back and find the interview that I did with X-Pac that I did with him right after he got busted at the airport for what was reported as being meth, but was absolutely not meth. You know, it was a risk of him going to jail. There were a lot of people that didn't believe him. You know, I did that podcast and I got so much uh, surprising. I wouldn't say so much because the majority of you guys 
you, you could hear in his voice that he was telling the truth. But there were some people that were hitting me up and going like, you know, Xbox lying, Xbox a junkie, Xbox this, Xbox that. And as time has told us, he was absolutely telling the truth in that instance. And I'm so happy. You can hear in this interview we did how much his life has improved. That's the thing. More so than just about anybody else that I know, X-Pac, every time that I see him, he's improving. And he's not just improving his mental health. He's improving his lifestyle. He's, he's constantly looking, now that he's kind of out of the darkness, he's constantly look, look he's constantly, easy for me to say, looking to improve himself more so than just about anybody that I know, especially more so than just about anybody that I know that was wrestling in the era that he was wrestling in. You know, there's a lot of uh, tragedies to come out of that era, and X-Pac, as it turns out, is, is the glimmer of hope for everybody. So I sat down with him while I was out there in Los Angeles. We uh, conducted this interview at the wonderful AfterBuzz Studios, which you can uh, see on YouTube. Uh, X-Pac also does his podcast, X-Pac12360, out of the AfterBuzz Studios. Uh, really, really great place. But I was able to talk to him about his role at uh, the 25th anniversary of Raw, uh, the, 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 the path to becoming the 123 kid, uh, being over in WCW. We talked about the old stuff. We talked about stuff that's going on right now. I think that X-Pac's analysis of current day product is grossly underestimated. So we talked about it all, and I don't want to have to talk about us talking about it for too much longer. So instead, you can listen to us talking about it. Here he is. Suck it. It's X-Pac. And now, the Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast interview. Well, thank you to uh, <laughs> AfterBuzz for donating this amazing studio while we're out here on the West Coast. And thank you to AfterBuzz for donating uh, one of the great talents that uses these great studios while we're out here on the West Coast, uh, ladies and gentlemen, back here on Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast with the last professional broadcaster, X-Pac. What's the haps, man? What's the haps, Sam? How, how are you doing, man? Fantastic. You know that. Every time I see you, you're doing a little better. <laughs> a little bit. It's always yeah. a little better. Just, ah, no, I'm doing, it's always like, I'm doing good. I'm doing awesome. Yeah. I'm doing great. I'm doing fantastic. Like, yeah. it's always just a little better. Yeah, and it feels good to be able to say that honestly. <laughs> right. Well, that's the thing with you is that if you weren't doing well, like you if know. you were, if you were, yeah, if you were, if shitty was the answer to the question, yeah. that would be the answer I would get, wouldn't it? Kinda. Not that great, Sam. Not that yeah. great. Whether we had microphones or not. Yeah. Do that's you, how it works. For is me. that something that you worked on? The fact that you're kind of as honest. You're one of the few people, really. A lot of people say it. Yeah. A lot of people have the same vibe on the air and off the air. But you have far less of a sensor in front of a microphone than just about anybody that I've spoken to in front of microphones. Is that something that you're conscious of or is that just your natural inclination? Uh, I think it's, I, I think it's, I ended up finally be, finally getting to that point just because, you know, at, at one point there was so many bad things going on in my life, you know, that. You, you know, couldn't run from them. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. when you're in when you're in WWE as as X Pac as one two three kid as whatever I guess it was a different time because media wasn't as omnipresent. Yeah. But did you get like media trained to learn how to do proper interviews? Funny you say that because I remember like uh, several months back when Donovan Dijak yeah, yeah yeah was hired by uh, by WWE and he was 
you know, just reporting to the performance center. Like I reached out to uh, Kristen Altman, mm-hmm. one of their PR people down there, or no, a talent relations person. Mm-hmm. And she's like, no, he doesn't have media training yet. And I'm like, huh? <laughs> like, what the, what's that even? <laughs> you know? Yeah. I used yeah. to work there. Yeah. I thought I, I would have heard about this. How come I didn't get any media training? <laughs> Could have used some of that. Did you do interviews? Like, were you a, um, were you a guy who they would send out to do press? Because, uh, again, it's like now like, you. It's yeah. just not. It's so much different now. Exactly. Sam. No, they weren't doing it nearly as much with us that, back then. And, and they probably were a little bit. You know, apprehensive about sending me out for anything like that, anyways. Right, right. That wasn't your your yeah, specialty. Right. You were there for the high kicks, not for the interviews. Pretty much. I get that. Yeah. I get that. And I was always, you know, in the, during the hours that you would do those kind of things, I was always really stoned. Like, you know, like right. It, so I mean, it didn't make for really good, you know, radio appearances or right. You're not going to be the example, sure, that the WWE needs to push a product forward. Yeah. Right, you're yeah. not. That's, that's, doing, I was doing fine, but that wasn't what I would have been very good at. at right, point. yeah, because media is like a, it's a sales job, yeah. and you're not there. To, you're not a salesman at that hour of the day. Right, right. And I, I'm not that great at selling myself. Right, right. You can sell wrestling moves. Yes, and that's I where can, you can sell. Yes, and I can sell the product, but like when it comes to like to right. my own horn or whatever, eh. you're a humble guy. I try to be well. Speaking of being a humble guy, I thought of you, and I haven't talked to you about it since it happened. But I was at the Barclays Center for Raw Twenty Five. You were at the Manhattan Center. Before we get into you know what it was, yeah. what stuck out to me in reference to you, and what made me go like, "Oh man, that's to me watching it for you." I was like, "That's really special." Is when you come out with DX. Yes, they introduce the DX members, and they introduce you know uh, uh, Scott Hall as well, and come out with DX and everything. And the crowd, instead of for forever, it's been like, well, yeah, we love X-Pac because DX. Like, he's yes. in X-Pac. He's, he's in DX. The crowd starts chanting, one, two, three, one, two, three. And it's like, oh, my God. Like, I didn't see that coming. I don't know if you saw it coming or what your reaction to it was. Because to me, it wasn't like they were like, oh, forget X-Pac. We want the kid. It was like that was the way they acknowledge you as a singular entity, not we're cheering for this whole group. It's like, yeah, we love the group, but we love you. And in relation to the history of the television show and, and the, the building. building we yeah. were in. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it felt amazing. And, uh, I would have let it, I would have soaked it in a little bit more, but we were short on time as it was. And, mm-hmm. and I guess I could have been selfish and just, you know, who cares? I'm in here. What are you going to do? Yeah, what are you gonna yeah. do? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But I didn't do that. You didn't, but I let it breathe just long enough so people could get the, you know, but get you the got idea. your moment I did. out of it. I yeah. got my, I, I got my feel good. Yeah. How do you feel moment. about that now? I mean, because a thing happens where I'm sure when, you were hot as X-Pac. Yeah. The last thing you wanted was a whole bunch of references to One Two Three Kid because you were evolving in your career. Yes. Now we've kind of come to that place with you where it's full circle, where people are appreciating things on a different level. Yeah. When you find that love for One Two Three Kid after all these years, yeah. What's Especially that Sam, if you know, I think I think you're aware that I wasn't a big fan of the name One Two Three Kid. I am aware. Yeah. 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 You didn't even like the kid, like you. It's Kid was fine back when I first first started, first, right? But even eventually, you know, when I left and went to WCW, and then came back, you know, Vince was very, you know, uh, he knew I didn't want to be the kid anymore. Was there a thought that you'd be the kid? 
Uh, I think it was still around what you know what we're gonna call him. Because blah, blah, the blah. name Xbox, you come out on that episode of Raw after WrestleMania 14, yeah. and you're not cemented with that name Xbox. We don't know what your name not is really. Me. We know who you are, right. but it's not like hey, this is who this is. Yeah. So was the kid a possibility? No, it wasn't. For you. For me. Right. Correct. You're like, it's not happening. No. Right. I already had the name picked out anyes I got you. Because, you know, I was Six-Pac. Mm-hmm. By the time I left there, I was being called Six-Pac. Right. And so... X-Pac I, is the easy exactly. transition. It was pretty easy. It yeah. didn't take a genius. No. No, and everybody kind of like, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I didn't have to dig too deep. But so you did not like... And at what point did you stop liking being called 123Kid? Like while uh, you're I never, in, I never liked it at all. From ever. the beginning, from the beginning, even the I music. Hated it. One, two. No, three. the music was fine. You like that? Yeah, because after the one, two, three, they they put in the track like the, the its own crowd applause. Right. And so you couldn't tell if it was the crowd, <laughs> the the live crowd, or or just the music track. So you got to pop every night. Every night. Every man. night. Big Listen pop. to that crowd. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so you always, you never liked the one, two, three kid name. So when the one, two, three kid turns heel. Did you propose to be like, okay, now that I'm a heel, no. can we change the name? No. Right. No, at that point, I was I figured I was stuck with it. And, yeah. You know, you did the best you can with it. and um, I just, you know, when I was at that point in my career on the street, when I was asked mm-hmm. what my name was, I was I hated telling everyone, you know? So when they would be like, oh, you're a wrestler. Well, I'm a kid. No, 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 one, two, three, kid. You, you know, didn't like just, it to that degree. Yeah, it was yeah. like that. It was embarrassing because, I'm going to tell you why. Because then you got to get into, oh, well, what does that mean? And then you got to explain the story, and it's just like, oh. Right. You know? Right. I don't want to do this again. You like being the lightning kid. That was fine. Yes, because I come up with that. And, Kamikaze kid? No. Comet kid? None of that. No. Like cannonball. Cannonball shit. kid? No. No. It sucked. Yeah. <laughs> That's know. why it went week by week. Yeah. But you couldn't really. Once they, once they came to you and said, one, two, three, kid. Yeah. I mean, you're young. I'm sure you're just psyched. They didn't have... even come to me, Sam. Okay. I was in Japan finishing up my commitment in the, the 93 top of the Super Junior tournament. Mm-hmm. I was over there. I was I got on the bus that mor- one morning and one of the one of the Japanese wrestlers reading weekly pro wrestling baseball magazine the in Japan, baseball magazine is the wrestling magazine, of course. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like, are you just describing something? Yeah. Or, yeah. So, um uh I get on the bus, and then one guy looks up to me and goes, you one, two, three, kid. I'm like, what? He goes, that's your name, one, two, three, kid. I'm like, bullshit. I remember started cussing and just, you know, stormed off to the back of the bus all pissed off. pissed? Yes, I was pissed. Wow. And so when you get back stateside. I had already gotten over it, and I was like, okay, what am I going to do? What's done is done. Yeah. I'm getting action figures. I'm getting T-shirts. I'm getting all this stuff. Like, let me be the one, two, three, kid for a while. So I, I don't. You know, now I'm fine. Like I, I, I'm, I love it when people bring that up or call me that, and mm-hmm. it's just it's different now. You know, because I'm, I'm at I'm at this point in my career. Well, exactly. Like I kind of wish I was a kid again. <laughs> part of me. Yeah. Part but, of me. But the other part that you can actually, you've somehow survived everything, and you can embrace all the good stuff. Pretty amazing. I think it's quite remarkable. Quite, <laughs> quite remarkable. Yeah. I would say that that's a good yeah. uh, turn of phrase. Uh, so then when you get to WCW, and they're like, you're going to be six, do you like that? Or are you like, can we stop with the numbers for five yeah, seconds? Yeah, I wasn't a fan, but I was like, well, okay, whatever. Right, you know. right. Better than one, two, three kids. I mean, really, anytime when, like, when you're first getting used to something, right. it feels weird. 
Right. Because then by the end of yeah. it, it was like, yeah, I'm six. That's cool. Yeah. And it did. I mean, six, in the way it was spelled and everything, it was it was notably cooler. Very 90s. In one, two, right? three, kid. Very 90s with a double X on the a end. Y Uh-oh. and two Xs. I know, oh, yeah, Y and two Xs. Watch out for this guy. That's right. This is this guy's edgy. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, but you, you were you surprised that that crowd responded in that way? Or did you, were you like, yeah. Oh, this at is the about, Manhattan Center? At the Manhattan Center. No, I wasn't surprised. Um, but I wasn't necessarily expecting it either. I was right. just like being in the moment and going out there and soaking it all in. Right. You know, whatever happens, happens. Now, were you scared uh, or not, you know, scared is the wrong word, but like apprehensive before you went out there? Because I wasn't at the Manhattan Center. But everybody has talked about the fact that you guys went out towards the end of the night. Yeah. And the Manhattan Center was a building of a few hundred people that have paid a ton of money to watch a video screen all night, and there's videos on YouTube from the from the building of people just riotously angry. Not happy. Right. But they still managed to pull it together for our segment and yeah. seem to be happy in the moment. I mean, it was really interesting because on TV, every segment from the Manhattan Center looked good. Yeah. And the crowd would, I guess yeah. they were so grateful for content yeah. that, that you couldn't really tell they were upset when you were watching the show. It wasn't until after the show that you realized it, but were you, were you like, oh boy, like this is gonna be tough for us because they're pissed, or did you kind of be like, no. yeah, no, I knew it was gonna go fine, yeah, yeah, uh, I, I, I mean, I, it's easy to say these things after the fact, right? But I kind of did, mm-hmm. you know, I wasn't really worried about it because I, you know, once they got this, like, that was one of the things they wanted to see, right. and they weren't gonna, I don't think they were gonna let all the other things get in the way of them being at least. Right. Able to enjoy that. Right. That was a highlight yeah. of the show. Yeah. yeah. And it, and for the last, like one of the last segments of the third hour run, boy, we really held the people. Like there was still almost like five million people watching that. So, wow. Yeah. 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 For the third hour of Raw, that's not a, yeah. it's not a given, right? Yeah. And boy, did we ever bury the revival or what? Uh, I mean, dude. We destroyed those guys. Those guys are dead in the water. <laughs> <laughs> When you when you find out that's what you're doing to the revival, are you like, oh, poor guys? Are you like, yeah, awesome. They were happy to do it. And, and, and look, I get it. Mm-hmm. I'm a revival fan, and I understand where revival fans are you coming from. You better not from. say that when you go down to All In. Why? Because, you know, the Cody, Cody and the Elite and the... Oh, that's right. Right. You better not yes. let them know. I forgot about that. And, they, and After revival. Yeah, and... Um, and the Bucks were just on on my show. Oh earlier. yeah, you better not to let them know. No, they they brought it up. Oh, about, did they? Yeah, they brought up on my show about they were actually thinking about reaching out to WWE to get a Bucks versus Revival match for All In, but then they decided against it. I wonder if WWE. I doubt they would have let it happen. That doesn't mean they can't ask. Right. Right. Because this is 2018, and a lot of cool things are going on in wrestling. It's these amazing days. what's going on in wrestling yeah. these days. Do you like your part of it, or do you sit there? Because I mean, I, I do feel like you're a part of the whole world that's going on and a pretty appropriate part based on where you're at in your life, your experience and everything. But do you get those like, Oh, if I was younger, I'd be a part of this or I'd be doing that over here. Or I was younger and I was in all the cool shit you could ever think about in my era. You were in all the cool shit that all this cool shit is based on. Yeah. Yes. So, uh, no, I'm, I'm extremely happy 
with my position in the industry right now, it's it's a wonderful view from here. Yeah, Sam, it kind of is. View. I mean, it is amazing because I see you at the WWE shows hanging out. I see your name pop up at Starcast and All In and everything. Yeah. Like you're kind of getting to this place where you're you're everywhere and and kind of loved everywhere. It's nice to be loved. It is nice because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't always. No. And well, that's not a universal thing. There's some people that still aren't on the bandwagon, and really? that's fine. Oh, sure. Yeah, sure. Why not? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess. I guess. If everybody yeah. loves you, you're doing something wrong. Exactly. Yeah. So at what point did you notice that uh, the tide's were turning on you, meaning mm. for the positive? Oh, I think just gradually. Yeah. As, I, as, I, as I've done better in life, I think people have paid attention and, and noticed. Yeah. And, and let me know. Right. You know, and it feels good because... Wrestling fans and the wrestling community is not afraid to jump on you and tell you when you're fucking up. Right. Excuse my. Sorry about that. No, it's all good. Um, so, yeah, you know, it's nice when they're there to tell you that you're doing a good job as well. Right. And they will. They yes. will. Igno- That's I mean, right. it takes you a little bit. If you're if you're not doing well, all it takes is one. If That's you're right. doing better. Takes a little bit more to prove that you're yeah. actually doing better, but that's that's kind of the way of the world too. Sure, isn't it? and I get that, Sam, because you know anyone, well, just about anyone, can pull their themselves up, you know, off the ground for a minute, mm-hmm. you know, before they fall back down. But like to you know, to you know, go quite right. a while without falling is the maintenance thing. is the thing, yeah. right? Maintaining the yeah. whole time. Yeah. When you now that you're doing a podcast, uh, or you know, you've been doing podcasts for a while, but doing a podcast, do you watch? the show differently because you're one of the few guys that like what we do here on this show that you are talking about the current product a lot of guys will do will not do that um do you feel like you're watching the show differently in the sense that you're like okay i'm gonna be analytical about this on the show this week so that's how i gotta watch it or do you watch that way naturally i think i was already watching that way when i watched Mm mm-hmm because, like a lot of people, I would get on my phone and, and go on my Twitter app and start, you know, commenting on right. it. Right. You know? Right. Uh, it's just different now. Like, uh, having my own show, uh, I think I have a little bit more of a responsibility to, you know, to uh, just to call things like, like they are and be a little bit more objective and not, you know, not, you know, get into the, not the weeds, but into the into the mud. Right. Right, to you just know? actually yeah. call it for what it is, as sure. far as you see it. Yeah. Yeah. And is it interesting to have, like, have you noticed that your your opinion is having more and more impact? Yeah, it go? definitely does. And does that shift the way you're like, okay, I got to make sure this is right what I'm saying. I got to make sure I'm saying what I'm actually feeling because people are going to hold me to it. Yes. And and also just thinking before I, before I you know, either let words come out of my mouth or uh, out of my fingers onto my keypad. Yeah. You know, uh, thinking and, and being careful what comes out of my mouth because, you know, it sucks having to walk things back. Right. You know, just right. because of <laughs> diarrhea of the mouth. So what did you think of this year's WrestleMania? I haven't, I haven't really talked to you about it. I enjoyed that. I really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, had a, I had a few different vantage points, you know. Uh, um, you know, I watched part of it from the second row. I like to me the mo- the 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 stuff I enjoyed the most was the stuff I watched sitting in the second row with yeah. Ma- with Maria and uh, and Lula. Yeah, you know, which was you know the um, the Oscar Charlotte Flair match, which was I mean most people's Excellent. opinion one of if not the yes. best match on the show, and the Ronda Rousey you know 
Again, that most people's opinion, one of, if not the best match. Best on the show. match on the show. Yeah. As far as I'm concerned, being there live and listening to the crowd reaction and just overall, you know, just everything about the match. Yeah. I mean, I think the fact that it turned everybody around on Ronda Rousey yeah. speaks volumes, doesn't it? Yeah. 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 So, you know, and, and then obviously, uh, like the, the opener. The was, triple threat yes. intercontinental match. Yeah. yeah. What do you think of the uh, of the Roman Reigns issue that's starting right now because I've talked about this and I think we talked about it last week and but I mean it's kind of an ongoing thing and I definitely think a big topic of conversation um when you've got a guy like to me things changed uh at backlash because it was the first time I felt like I saw fans leaving yeah you know what I mean and when they went to that victory shot at the end of it fans are walking out of the building which is like now we're not in the territory anymore of, well, boo or cheer. They're still sh- showing up, and they're letting us know how they feel, and blah, blah, blah. It's like you can't have them leave, you know? Yeah. What do you think of it? It's, it was tough to see It's that, a loaded question. Know? Like, it the is, whole, yeah. you know. And, and you know, there's got to be more of a reason than they just don't like Roman or they're regurgitating. Like, I think in, in that particular instance, it was calm, almost like a – a main event that like it was a throwaway main event in a way. Not that it wasn't a really good main event, but right. I think people knew it was gonna, you know, not Which really way gonna... mean that much. Yeah. You know? Because there's on two separate brands now. Yeah. yeah. Not a lot at stake. Yeah. Yeah. So um yeah. I, I just think that had something to do with that. But uh I you know I you don't wanna let people dictate, you know, at the, but at the same time, you got to listen to your fan base, and when and when you when you make it to where okay, um, we want everyone in the WWE universe to give us your feedback on social media. You kind of got to listen to it, then. right? You know, right, right, or ignore it, or or don't don't yeah. acknowledge it. But when you acknowledge it. You gotta listen to it. Yeah. Otherwise, people. Especially are like, what are if we you're doing? asking for their exactly. opinion, you gotta listen to it. Exactly. Have you ever been put? Because you know, I mean, I, I never blame Roman the guy for what's going on. Really, right. you know, I mean, people get put into positions. Were you ever put into a position where you were like, "This is horrible. I gotta go make this work somehow." Yeah. What? Yeah. When? Uh, are you talking about storyline wise, or because I could just give you a particular segment? Yeah, is there was this segment and and you know I I it was one of the few times like you know I was like no this sucks this is a terrible idea and it's gonna suck mm-hmm. and they're like no just do it we promise da 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 and it was this goddamn pudding in the pudding match with uh, like oh who was it um, Stacy Carter and like. And who was it, Tori? So, yeah, yeah the cat. Yeah, and yeah. they had Kane and I come out and get involved, and Kane picks me up and goes to throw me in the, in the pudding. pudding, and he falls in, too, and it was just a complete mess. And when I got back through the curtain, those writers and, and, and producers, they parted and hauled out. Pew, they ran. Because they knew. They were oh, yeah. I think I would have wrung their fucking neck when I got back <laughs> if they hadn't have, because I told them this was going to suck. Yeah. Yeah. There was just no saving it. Nothing. 
Wow. Not, I mean, just the idea. The whole idea sucked. Not just not the execution. The the idea fucking sucked. Well, it doesn't make any sense. Sorry, I'm getting all f bombed. No, out it's here, all good. You now I worked up yeah. about this stupid ass segment. Yeah, I had no idea. I don't even really remember the segment to tell you the truth. And I remember a lot of segments. Thank God. Yeah, and th- but there was no rhyme or reason behind any of it. There was a rhyme or reason, but it was stupid. Was I can't it? even tell you what it was. You but don't I remember? Just, yeah. Right. If it, if that was what was going to happen, yeah, it was stupid. Right. Yeah. I guess. There was no <laughs> and explaining. Kane just falls it. in. Well, it was slippery. But he's a monster. Exactly. He should have never been put in the position to look like a jack-off like Exactly. That. Exactly. Oh, he was mad, too. He and was Kane, Oh, yeah. And trust me, like, he's real quiet. Mm-hmm. And so when he came back, like, steam coming out, you know, out of his ears, like, there wasn't so much they were just scared of me. Like, you know, this I had giant, the big seven-foot guy behind me pissed off, too. You just woke him up. Yeah. Wow. Oh, he was mad. <laughs> oh, we looked like idiots. It was terrible. And how do you get past it? Like, do you just have to blow it off? Like, how long does it take you to get past it? By the next day, are you like, okay? Um, I can't remember, but I'm, I'm, I, hope I, I hope I didn't uh, go to bed with that bothering me because, like, that's not the kind of, you, you got to get over that shit. Right. You have to. Right. And, and trust me, I'm one of these guys that takes that kind of stuff, like, it hurts me, like physically, not just mentally. Like it turns into a physical hurt uh-huh. when something goes that bad right. my, on my job. Right. Whether it's a shitty match, shitty promo. And when somebody's making you feel a physical hurt, you want to lash out. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get back to X-Pac in just a moment, but he won't mind the interruption to talk to you about when it's time to start paying less interest on your credit card debt. That can happen today. With a credit card consolidation loan from Lightstream. I tell you all about Lightstream. It's about time we get our lives together. Xbox getting his life together. We're all becoming adults. As much as we want to still be children, we're adults, and that means we have to take care of ourselves financially. And wait till you hear about this. Lightstream rewards consumers who have good credit with a great interest rate and no fees. You can get a credit card consolidation loan from 5.49% APR with AutoPay. You could save thousands of dollars in interest. Application is 100% online. You can even get your funds as soon as today. Look, you need money. You got to take care of those credit card bills. I, I try to escape. Pro wrestling and hobbies, they're all about escapism. And the best way that you can get into them is to get all the stressors out of your life. That's what Lightstream is going to be able to do. That's what I'd be using it for. Listen, my listeners, the Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast listeners, are going to get an additional interest rate discount on top of Lightstream's already low rates. The only way to get this discount is to go to lightstream.com slash Sam. That's L-I-G-H-T-S-T-R-E-A-M dot com slash Sam. Subject to credit approval includes 0.5% auto pay discount available only when you select auto pay prior to loan funding. Terms and conditions apply and offers are subject to change without notice. Visit lightstream.com for important information about limits on Lightstream loans and same-day funding. That's lightstream.com slash Sam, lightstream.com slash Sam, and now back 
to X-Pac. Did you, when you went over to WCW, was, did you guys think, because you went right after Hall and Nash, I'm sure you knew as they were leaving that you'd be there. I was supposed to be the first one. Right. Yeah. You told me that before. Did you think that Sean would probably join you? No. I know, so you were just like, he's, he's, he's going to stay. Yeah. Because he's, he's the guy yeah. here. Yes. What it was about his him? turn. Right. You know, that was kind of the thing. Like, Sean was, he was hurt because it was his turn to be the champ and we weren't going to be there for it. And I get that. Yeah, so he was he was he was yeah hurt with you guys. Yeah, like you're not sticking around for me. Yeah, but totally understandable, right? Because but, man, we were so close, Sam. You know, yeah, we were the I, only ones that each of us could be ourselves around and be vulnerable to, and you know, and all of that. And it's so important to have that. Yeah. Now, when you get to WCW, you got Hall and Nash. Yeah. Are you guys able to maintain that with just the three of you? Sure. Okay, so you still had that. I yeah. mean, it was obviously a different vibe in general, yeah. but you still maintain that friendship. And do you, because I know like it's tough to do in the wrestling business, do you keep in touch with Hunter and Sean while you're there, or do you just kind of like, we know everything's cool, and when we see him, we see him? Oh, no, we keep in touch. You do? Oh, yeah. 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 Sure. Well, I mean, we heard the shout-outs that were going on on Nitro, uh, but... <laughs> oh, yeah. Or just like when they had this open workout here at Venice Beach, and... You know, WWE and the DX open yeah. workout at Muscle Beach. And, uh-huh. You know, so we showed up. You showed up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> now, did, did anybody, did Eric Bischoff or anybody come to you when you would show up to something like that and be like, what are you doing? You can't no, be going? didn't say shit to us. They but, knew better. But Sean and Hunter, boy, did they get heat on that end. Really? Yeah. But you guys were the ones that showed up. I know. Didn't matter. No. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> did you guys, yeah, you knew that Sean and Hunter would get heat for it. No, we didn't. Mm-hmm. No, I actually, it's it wasn't even. I'm not saying we didn't, we knew or we didn't know. It was that we didn't care, right? Right. Well, who cares? Yeah, we what are they gonna do? They ain't gonna fire them either. Right. Right. Yeah. And Hunter was never close to going over to WCW, or no. was no, no. They were happy there. No, because he had just left WCW. Right. 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 So. He didn't want to go back to being terrorizing. Correct. Yeah, that made sense. How long into WCW were you like? Ah, uh, I gotta get out of here. I gotta get back mm. over there. Um, about, like, I was, uh, I was, ah, shit, it was kind of towards, I'm uh, about the last half. Okay. So you had yeah. a good first half. Yeah. 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 When they were taking me and putting me on the road on my days off to keep an eye on Scott because he wasn't doing good, that was driving me crazy because I had kids. Right. Right, you know, and I didn't have a, I didn't have a hundred and eighty day. Well, I did. I had a hundred and eighty day cap on my days, mm-hmm. but that didn't that didn't break down into uh, a limit per month. So they could just run me a hundred and eighty days gotcha. straight through. Gotcha. If they wanted to, and then and then leave you alone for the rest yes. of the year. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Which made me when I went back to WWE, uh-huh. I. Uh, when I negotiated my contract, uh-huh. I made sure that it not only was it 180 days, but it was broken down into you no only... more than 15 days a month. You had that deal when you yes. went back to WWE. Yeah, that's insane. Yeah, you had a you were only doing 180 days a year. That was in my. Co- I, I did end up doing more than that, but, but that, that was you my were contract to do. And not only that, but wow. no more than 15 days a month. That's an amazing. It was great. That's amazing. Well, they lowballed me on my because they knew I didn't want to. Go back to WCW. Yeah. So like Jr. lowballed me on my on, on your downside offer. guarantee. Yeah. And so you so said, I okay, hit him with all these other things. I'll take that, but you got to give me this. It was worth more than money. Trust me. 
The fact that you don't, I mean, that's amazing. Yes. That's kind of unheard of, right? And I made sure to mention it to all my friends, too. <laughs> <laughs> Just make JR's life difficult. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what was it when you were people, because it seemed like Hall and Nash and Hogan, that was like the, everybody says when they came back, it was weird and people weren't sure if they wanted the click to come back. Yeah. When you come back, just on your own. Yeah. Were they like, oh, we don't know if we, or, or were you kind of buddies with everybody? When matter? I come back on my own. To what? join up with Hunter. Oh, oh, that. Look. Business might have been okay for them, but the perception was they were still getting their ass handed to them. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I was there to help that. So people were happy you were back. Yeah. Because they knew they were like... And of all my friends, I was the one that everyone liked the most. Right, that's what I figured. Anyways, That's yeah. what I kind of, yeah, always gathered, yeah. that you weren't you weren't there. Because like, I was the nicest one of all of us. Right. Injecting <laughs> you in wasn't injecting like this problem. No. No, no not at all. Yeah. It, was, it was great. I felt there was none of that divisiveness in the locker room when I came back. That there had been when you left. Yes. What do you attribute that to? Um... I don't know. People just being, I think everyone just being focused on surviving. Right. We got to team up together yes. here to make this show good for everyone. Yeah. 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 We don't like, you know, we need to come together here. And, and right. Because you know, I guess when you leave, WCW is really only starting to become real competition. Yeah. And so then everybody's just concentrating on the only competition that exists is internally. No, I'm the guy. No, I'm the guy. This is my spot. This is. When you leave, WCW starts kicking ass, and now it's like I don't care who's in what spot. We just got to we we just got to keep this company. Sure, afloat. yeah, we got to win this thing. And then, as I, right as I'm coming back, business was already coming up, and mm-hmm. you know morale was picking up, and you know one of the things that Vince Russo did well, and it's been talked about a lot, is that he had something good for everyone on the show. Like right. every segment was written very well. Mm-hmm. You know, and everyone felt like they were contributing, and and that's huge. Right, that's huge to feel like you're a part of what's making this great thing happen. Yeah, and so Every everyone was happy. Had a story, man. yeah, that's yeah. really. And everyone was, you know, uh, pulling in some pretty good cheddar. And know? creatively, you're doing cool stuff. Yeah, like people know when they're doing cool stuff yeah. and when the stuff they're doing. Yeah, like. that's what I was getting at. You know, everyone's yeah. segment was good. Everyone yeah. was happy with what they were doing. They felt create, create. Like I, I say this a lot. Creative satisfaction is highly underrated. Yeah. Yes. The yeah. money, you know, that's fine, but it doesn't. At, at a certain point, once you're used to the money, if the creative yeah. satisfaction's not there, the money's like, eh. The money's good when you sign the contract because right. it's exciting, it's news. Yeah. But then after it's it's life. Mm. If you're not happy day to day, if you're not creatively fulfilled day to day, it's like you forget yeah. about. That the check only thing worse in. is if you're if you're not creatively satisfied and you're getting paid like shit. <laughs> yeah, that's all. <awesome. laughs> then it's like, what are we yeah. doing? I got to find a new business. Yeah, or a rope, <laughs> <laughs> razor blades. What do you What do you think about as as a guy who uh, was on both sides of the fence when wrestling was at its most competitive? With what Cody's doing and the Bucks are doing with All In, like, do you think that there is anything about this business model that can sustain in the sense that right now All In is just a super show? But do you think that because it's already, we're months away and it's already so successful, do you think that this could influence some of these indie promoters? And I don't mean indie promoters. I mean some of these other promoters to release 
the exclusivity around their contracts and allow these kind of super shows to start to act as a singular entity for life outside of WWE. Wait, but like you're talking about um, talent being allowed to. Well, I'm talking about the fact that like the all in show, for instance, that had to be Cody and the Bucks had to go to Ring of Honor. Yeah, Ring of Honor. We want to do this. So I'm not really talking about indie fads. I'm talking about Ring of Honor. I'm talking even about Impact. I'm talking about, you know, places where even New Japan, and that's not even close to an indie fad, but spots where they're like talent does have exclusivity stuff that they have to get around at times. Do you think that if All In... First of all, do you think All In could become a more regular thing or is it just a one-time super show? And if it were, do you think that this could end up being a thing where because exclusivity and organizations stop becoming the most important thing and just this world outside of WWE? Well, I think that... in in sp- I'm saying this because I just spoke to the Young Bucks about this like probably an hour ago. Uh-huh. Um, I think it all depends on how they feel the next day after this is all done. Right. And what do you, you mean? Who, they, who? they, Cody, the Young Bucks, the guys that are the ones making this happen. Do they want to keep doing this? Right. Because, right. man, I mean, this is all great and everything, but... Uh, They're working their balls off. Ooh, you... Most people can't even fathom right. how much work going into all this. Right. So, um, yeah, I, I do, I do think you'll see uh, all in two. I, I, I do. But not. But I don't this... think that's a for sure. Like right. I mean, I just wonder as I look at it and the success it's having is, could we end up in a scenario where all in is almost like a promotion in and of itself? Yeah. And something that can run ten thousand seats multiple times a year. You know what I mean? To the point where we are actually looking at, okay, we've got all this talent. There is a circumstance where we could create something that is at least somewhat where they competitive. they could duplicate this in other areas, other places. Yeah, You're saying, I, I don't know if that's a good idea, Sam. I, I, I think it might, be, you know, this is, uh, one of my, one of my co-hosts uh, actually brought this up. He says this kind of has a, a Woodstock feel to it. Like yeah, Woodstock of yes, wrestling, hundred percent feel, and it's not really a promotion. And I think that's the best part of this is that right. it's a bunch of, it's this, it's, it's, it's the new mentality of hey, um, we don't have to crush our enemy, our our opponents, our our competition. Mm-hmm. Everybody can work together and make the whole industry better. And right? It's amazing how when when people do that, it, I mean. Those things happen. No, and I think that that's the right philosophy. I just wonder how you apply that philosophy to every day. You know what I mean? Yeah. As opposed to just like, if we do that, we can have one event. Yeah. You know, even if it's one a year. Still a major accomplishment. I'm not, I'm just, you know, kind of in my head thinking forward yeah. of what's the real impact on the industry that this has. Because I think there's going to be one. Oh, I think there already is already one. Already immediately. But, um, I think I, this thing was able to come together. This is just my take on it, thinking about it at, at the moment. Uh, I think you know, all the parties maybe like, like maybe ROH or or that. Like they, I'm not saying that's right. 
I think a lot of people didn't take this serious as it was going to be as big a deal. And so they were like, oh, okay, that's real Go cute. Go ahead and do your show. Yeah, real cute yeah. little show you guys are doing. Do but you think next people, year, I yeah. think people are going are gonna to be like, you know, hey, well, uh, where's my piece? Right. In your experience, do you think now that we're already seeing how successful it is, or obviously we are going to do it again. I mean, I think that it does, of course, depend on how they feel and everything. Yeah. But in my mind, I haven't talked to them about it. But just as a, a guy who does things, yeah. when something is this successful, I don't think there's any chance this isn't going to happen again. But do you think that the promoters, the people they've signed contracts with, that, do you think that they're going to be threatened by it? Do you think that they're going to embrace the spirit of it and how it's better for the whole industry and, and in the long run better for them? How do you think that that's going to go? I think most. I think most are going to uh, are going to embrace this, and I think there are going to be some of that, though. I think there's going to the be. Thing. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Because there's still a lot of people in the industry, whether it's an independent, you know, scene or whatever, that still have an old antiquated mentality on how things are supposed to work in professional wrestling. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that I think that you know, and and you've seen that generationally. That as I think the industry changes. I mean, for you guys in the '90s, when the NWO came out, when DX starts coming out, when it gets edgy, when it gets like that was when the old guard from the '80s was going like, "This isn't wrestling." You guys are killing wrestling. You're killing yeah. the business. What are you doing? This can't. Be, yeah. This isn't how we do it. And you know, I think they said. Vince was killing the business when he was putting territories out of business, and I think there were accusations that he was going to kill the business when he owned everything. And obviously he didn't. You know what I mean? That was just another change, and I do feel like this is is an industry-wide, and it's been going for a couple years. Somebody said to me that uh, they felt like, in a way, pro wrestling tees is like the new NWA. In the sense that it's this presiding body. Well, I mean, that was that was another thing that uh, the Bucks talked about on my show earlier was, um, you know, how 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 important a part of all this uh, pro wrestling teaser has been, and not just this all in, right, Sam, but just the health of the industry in general, and 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 an ability for um, for all these guys, all these you know, uh, out there, you know, grinding away to. That's a you know another revenue stream for them, and they're great and the product. I- and like the shirts are great. The idea that we're all working together, yes. like we're all here. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because this yeah. is because pro wrestling tees is the organization that brings all the indie guys together. Everybody that's trying to sell some merch, where everybody's brought together. I got a pro yeah. wrestling tees. You got pro wrestling yeah. tees. You know what I mean? Yeah, and 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 this is he's all inclusive too. Just yeah. because you're not selling him, you know, a yeah. thousand shirts a month doesn't mean you don't have a store, right? You right. know, and your and, and your customers are catered to just as well as absolutely. Well, I mean, theirs. the business model is terrific. Just the idea that you know you're you figured out how to do a business and technology, mm-hmm. timing, technology, like it all plays a part. In how uh, all of this happens. But I do think that it's... Do you find... Like, you were at Cauliflower Alley uh, a couple weeks ago. Yes. It was really cool to be there. How... I mean, I don't even know if it comes up. But how do the old-timers take to what's going on now? We didn't really get a chance to talk to a bunch of the... You know, like... We didn't get a chance to talk about that. But, I mean, I just know... There's a there is a mentality amongst 
you know, a lot of people from my generation and, 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 you know, past ones that are still around that, you know, all this shit nowadays and these guys are killing the business and all that. And, and I get it. I get it, Sam. And I felt like that at times too, but you know, um, Jim Ross talked about this, you know, at the podium, he's like, we need some fresh blood and, and, and the cauliflower alley is, you know, not going to survive. And you're not going to get any fresh blood uh, as long as you're telling all these young guys that they're killing the business and, you know, they're doing it wrong. And, you know, you know, there's a better way of going about, you know, reaching out to the younger generation and right. telling them, you know, how effed up they are. Right. You know, because, I mean... It, they were doing that to us, too. Well, it's interesting. I was actually just going to you ask know? you about that because they were doing it to you guys. And some of the stuff they were right about. Like, it wasn't a good idea, all the stuff you're doing. And you guys right. are feeling the pain later. That's right. But would you take it back? No. Right. So that's, I think, yeah. the part that a lot of guys don't like. They're right. Like, people shouldn't get hurt when they're doing pro wrestling. You know what I mean? Right. Like they, you shouldn't be taking these risks where you, and, and some of these uh, moves off the top rope and some of these shots with these weapons and blah, blah, blah. But there's stuff that every generation shouldn't have been doing. There's stuff yeah. that your generation shouldn't have been doing. And just like you wouldn't take back all the stuff that you shouldn't have done yeah. to your body, that you didn't know how bad it was. I don't Here's think the these thing, guys. Sam, I just, I, I would rather be, um, a guy like Terry Funk that has always, always uplifted and and tried tried to lift up the younger generations and and help them out and 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 encourage them and not tell them how everything they're doing is wrong and they're killing the business. Like, you know, I'm sure he had his opinions on the stuff he didn't like that he saw, but I mean, you never heard him out there trashing the younger generation, right? You know, he's very supportive of it. I mean, of course he was. He yeah. did that run in ECW in 97 yeah. that was like, it and, was really, I mean, even though he was the champion, it was the point was yes. to put the company on his back and exactly. put eyes on it. Yeah. And and I see a lot, you know, on my Twitter feed, I follow some people on there that are like, you know, they're, I like some of the content they have on, on their Twitter feeds, a lot of the old school stuff, but like some of them, and I, I'm, I'm really disappointed, Sam, because some of them... Um, they're really mad that that thing sold out yesterday in in thirty minutes. Right, they're mad, and 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 I even saw one guy calling anyone that would pay that much money for any wrestling ticket a goof, an effing goof. And he's in the business. Well, he's in you know like yeah, he's the peripheral or right. like you know loosely part of the. He's business. a part of this thing. Yeah, whatever it is. Yeah, and you know, and supposedly a fan of of wrestling, but right. I think some people are only a fan of wrestling the way they think it should be, and if it's not that way, they don't mind if it dies. Well, also, yeah, and you want it, you want to believe that you're right, and when you're proven wrong by numbers, you get pissed yeah. instead of yes. just being like, you know what, maybe I need to learn yeah. something, yeah. maybe I need to stop running my mouth for a second and just why was I wrong here? Instead of that, it's like, no, I'm gonna be. I'm going to be pissed. Let me double down on stupid. Right, exactly. That's it. Don't double down on stupid. Why would anybody (laughs) double down on stupid? It doesn't make sense. Oh, man. So who's there? You watch a lot of WWE. Oh, but can I real real quick about the Cauliflower Alley? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they do, you know, there there does need to be some new blood there. How do you get it? How do you suppose you get it? I reach out to the younger generations more. Yeah. There is a a terrible gap Mm -hmm. in that. But I got to take my... 
uh, I, I'm not wearing a hat, but right. if I have one, take I, your bandana I would, off. Yeah, to, yeah. To Brian Blair. Be Brian because Blair. he's done amazing work with Cauliflower Alley and like just using the Brickhouse Brown story, for instance. Brickhouse Brown didn't even know there was a Cauliflower Alley and mm-hmm. he was dying of cancer and now he's in, I think, remission. That's you know, amazing. Because of help from Cauliflower Alley. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, and that's a reason to keep it alive, right? Absolutely. You know, I don't, I don't see... You know, it's really weird because it's such a positive organization. Yeah. There'd be no reason to not yeah. be as inclusive as yeah. you could possibly and be. And there will be some people... That are like no, no. That's no. F that. Like, yeah. They'd rather be like the preservation society or right something like that, and that's fine. Nothing wrong with wanting to be that way, but it's not. It's gonna die when you die. Right. You're not gonna be able to, and you're certainly not gonna yeah. be able to help people with right. it. Right. Yeah. That's done. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. So who is you watch? Speaking of the the new generation, yeah. who is you watching WWE? Are you going like? Them, that's the guy, or that's the girl, or that's the team, or whatever. Wow. God, I don't know. Like, there's, it's hard to tell, man. Like, this, this so, like, okay, Elias is going to be a big deal. He is, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, that's going to evolve. It's great for what it is right now, but it's going to evolve. evolve Something and huge. Up being, yeah, yeah. A main inventor. I agree with that 100%. Yeah. And I mean, and it's everything. It's, it's, the way he delivers his promos, mm-hmm. it's the character, it's his the size, look. his look, yeah. and then in the ring, he's great because he has a good look. He's he's got he's built great, yep. but he's not too big that he can't sell for smaller guys, right? So right, that's a, that's nice, a great point. It's a, yeah, Scott Hall was really great. Like when it came to that, yep, you, you'd always he he could sell for you know right for a guy of any size, so. but still be this big intimidating dude. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, that's great. Well, uh, I want everybody. To check out Xbox One Two Three Sixty, it's the great podcast Thanks. that you do on Westwood Thanks. One, uh, and also the video version uh, yeah. through AfterBuzz and yeah. the AfterBuzz Sports YouTube page. Yeah, AfterBuzz TV is a what an amazing thing this is over here. It's amazing. Yeah, it's an amazing thing. I, I love, I love knowing when I come out here that I'm like this. This is just here. You know what I mean? It's yes. kind of unbelievable. I think a lot of these people around here take this for granted, Sam. The AfterBuzzers. Oh think my so. god! If I was young. And in L.A. and trying to, like, I mean, L.A. Yeah. is, like, people get lost. Like, lost. There is there is so much fake opportunity out here, you know what I mean? To yep. just and, and so many tricks to convince you that, oh, I should be doing this. I should be doing that. Oh, I shouldn't be doing that. When there's a spot where there's studios and microphones and cameras and you have access to them and an audience... And good advice. And and yeah, and, and people <laughs> yeah. who are like some of the smartest people yeah. in the industry running it that are just here for free. Yeah. It's that don't even want anything in return. It's a, unbelievable. Like you yeah. sit here waiting for the loophole. Like, no, 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 no. What's the trick here? What's the trick? And like yeah. you've been here for years. I I've quit been... I quit waiting for the like uh, you, you know yeah. no no, it's all real. It's all yeah. real. Yeah. Well so. it's amazing. Thank you very much, man. It's always great to see you, Sam. Always great. Great interview from X-Pac. No surprise there. You never know when you're going to run into X-Pac at one of these live shows. But I'll tell you when you know you're not going to run into him. When you don't go to live shows, you got to be at these shows live. The only way to do it is to get tickets. And the best way to get tickets, if you ask me, is through SeatGeek, of course. Our friends at SeatGeek, one of the most loyal sponsors to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. And there's a reason for that because the service that SeatGeek provides is perfect for all of you guys. Trust me when I tell you, buying tickets to sports and concerts can be complicated and confusing, but there's a better way to buy, and that's 
with SeatGeek. Uh, it's good for, for a, a, a last-minute deal, planning a night out. You need to find the perfect gift for somebody. My wedding anniversary is coming up. I don't have anything ready for Jess. Maybe I'll find some concert tickets or something at SeatGeek. I got the SeatGeek app on my phone. It's the easiest way I've found to shop for tickets. You go on, they show you, you look up what you want to go see. Whether it's, uh, maybe it's NXT TakeOver Chicago. It'll be there. Maybe it's uh, SummerSlam in Brooklyn. These tickets will be there. And they will get all of the prices that are available on these tickets to make sure that you find the best deal. Here's the way it works. You'll see a seating chart of whatever the event is that you're trying to get tickets to. It'll show you where all the tickets are available so that you can make sure that you've got the best seats in the house. And the tickets will actually have a color-coded rating system that lets you know which tickets are the very best value. You're going to be satisfied 100%. Uh, SeatGeek is designed to make your ticket buying experience easier than ever. Save time, save money, get all the amazing deals, and know that you're not going to find better elsewhere. Get this. Still on the fence? No problem. Especially if you've never used SeatGeek, because for listening to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast, you're going to get $20 off of your first SeatGeek purchase. $20 off just for listening to this show. You're already going to find the best deal. Now it's going to be the best deal, but minus $20. Incredible. All you have to do is download the SeatGeek app, enter promo code SAM today, S-A-M. That's promo code SAM, and you'll get $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase using the SeatGeek app, promo code SAM, and enjoy the show. Hey, Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast listeners. This is Wade Keller from Pro Wrestling Torch. You might have heard me on Sam's show. If you enjoy our conversations on pro wrestling, be sure to check out my shows. They drop four times per week. We have two shows early in the week, the post shows following Raw and SmackDown. We talk to an on-site correspondent about things that did not air in crowd reaction and also have a co-host, live callers, and a mailbag segment. And then later in the week, my two shows on Podcast One are the Thursday Flagship and Interview Friday. Just search Wade Keller in Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or anywhere else you listen to Pro Wrestling Podcasts. That's Wade Keller. Subscribe to both the red logo and the blue logo. Here is Sam Roberts. Thanks again to X-Pac for being a part of the podcast this week. You know, interestingly enough, if you go on YouTube, you can see the interview that I did with Corey Graves. Right the same week that Corey Graves was on the podcast, Corey Graves also co-hosted my show on Sirius XM with me, Jim Norton and Sam Roberts. Jim was out one day, so I brought in Graves to be the co-host. And I posted a clip from that show, which is basically Corey and myself breaking down what happened with Titus O'Neil at the Greatest Royal Rumble. And, you know, tons of people have seen it and enjoyed it, and it really is worth watching the clip just to see Corey laughing at Corey, watching Corey laughing at Titus O'Neil falling. If you can follow that, it's amazing. But the reason that I bring it up today, because we've talked about it before in the podcast, the reason that I bring it up today is because there was a quote that was servicing from Daniel Bryan. He did uh, an interview, uh, I think, on maybe Inside the Ropes, um, where he was talking about the Greatest Royal Rumble. And he was saying that Titus O'Neil came in the ring and punched him in the face as hard as he could. And Brian, like, got up and he was in this rage, and it wasn't until he realized what had happened that he kind of let it go. But that, it's really interesting that Brian said that because it made me think right back to the clip with Corey Graves because Graves talks about how pissed Titus was initially. And it was, it was, I'm sure, just because the guy was embarrassed. 
You know, he slipped, he fell, he's mad, and now he's going to go out there and he's going to start swinging at people, and that's what he did. And we talked about that with Graves. Graves said he's sitting at ringside, and this is part of the insight that Corey Graves has as a, as a guy who's wrestled, has been in the ring before. He kind of knows what he's looking at better than a lot of people. And he was saying that, you know, Titus went in there and was just swinging for the fences, was just throwing everything he could possibly throw at people and that he wouldn't have wanted to be in the ring uh, at that moment. And I, I don't blame him. I don't blame him at all. But it was interesting to see Daniel Bryan confirming what we had heard from Corey Graves here on the podcast, you know, a few weeks back. Really, really interesting. Really, really interesting. Uh, speaking of interesting, a lot of interesting stuff to talk about in State of Wrestling this week. Uh, I think next week we'll probably do more of a deep dive into the Money in the Bank match. Of course, I'll just say this. And this, I'll get more into it probably next week on State of Wrestling. But this is a bonus to those of you that don't skip this bridge segment. I'm looking at the at the rundown for the Money in the Bank men's ladder match. That's really what I was thinking about today. So the pay-per-view... Pretty solid paper. You got AJ and Nakamura, last man standing. You've got now you got Bobby Lashley and Sami Zayn. You've got Carmella and Asuka. You got the Bludgeon Brothers and the Good Brothers. You got a lot, a lot, and there's still a lot more to be named. Plus Ronda Rousey versus Nia, which we'll talk about in State of Wrestling, um, uh, and the women's ladder match, of course. But in the men's ladder match, this week was the week that we flushed out what the lineup is, and we're looking at. Samoa Joe, Bobby Roode, Kevin Owens, Miz, one member of New Day, Braun Strowman, um, and who are the last two? Uh, Finn Balor and Rusev. And I'm going like, you know, the question on everybody's mind is who's going to win Money in the Bank? Who's going to walk out with the briefcase? And I think... The favorite? I don't know. I don't really look at the betting odds. And let's be honest. Here's why I don't look at the Vegas betting odds. Some people don't look at the Vegas betting odds because they're spoilers. I don't look at the Vegas betting odds because I don't know how to read them. They go like uh, 100 over 1, 200 over 300. I'm like, I don't know what these numbers mean. I don't know if that means they're probably going to win. They're probably going to lose. This is a good bet. This is a bad bet. So I just skip them all together. They list every option, and then there's numbers next to them, and I can never tell which is the best option. So I just go by my gut and my instinct. And my instinct is that the the general favorite is The Miz. I think a lot of people are talking about the, hoping that The Miz walks out with the Money in the Bank briefcase again. I don't. I think The Miz is bigger than the Money in the Bank briefcase. I think that The Miz is, regardless of the briefcase, I think The Miz is the next heel to get that championship match anyway. So there's no reason for him to have the Money in the Bank briefcase. I think that if you look at characters and who would benefit from it the most and who would to who would that briefcase allow a character to grow, I think Kevin Owens is the guy. Kevin Owens is my pick as of right now, and we'll, we'll break it down more in State of Wrestling next week. But right now, my pick is Kevin Owens, just because he's in this place where he's not really a serious contender for the Universal Championship, per se, but he's certainly one of the top guys on the show. It would he, He's starting to run the well dry on what's making him kind of a chicken heel character right now. Like, there's... 
you go through moments like there, there's got to be motivations and I think that that briefcase could provide great motivation and maybe create some jealousy between Sammy and Kevin I just think that to me it's a no-brainer Kevin Owens walks out of money in the bank with the briefcase let's get into a lot more we got stuff about all in we got stuff about impact we got stuff about uh WWE stock everything everything to cover here in the state of wrestling so let's get started it's now time for this week's State of Wrestling. Welcome to State of Wrestling here on Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. We're back to doing it live on Facebook, so if you want to watch along, it's too late now for this week, but next week, then make sure that you uh, like us at facebook.com slash notsam, and whenever we go live, it's unannounced, but whenever we go live, you'll get a notification, and you'll be able to join us. Regardless of what's going on on Facebook, what's going on today on the Wrestling Podcast, on the State of Wrestling is the top five stories of the week, according to me, the last professional broadcaster, Sam Roberts. And we're going to count them down this week. It's a fun top five for the state of wrestling because a lot of times we end up sticking WWE heavy. And I don't apologize for that whatsoever because, you know, let's be honest, when it comes to the world of sports entertainment and pro wrestling... WWE is the biggest game in town. They're the biggest newsmakers in town. They're the ones that it would it, it would be weird if we didn't spend most of our time talking about WWE. But this week, there are stories in all of the different promotions. We've got Impact. We've got uh, All In. We've got WWE. We've got NXT. We've got everything. So buckle up, kitties, and let's get into it. Story number five, we go to Impact, and we go to Don Callis who is in charge of Impact now. I know. You're trying to figure out this week who's in charge. Don Callis has been in charge for a little bit now. He seems to be taking it very, very seriously. And he did a conference call uh, within the last week where he said that he would like to make Impact Wrestling, not today, not tomorrow, but over time, cool. That he wants Impact Wrestling to have that same cool factor that something like New Japan has, that something like, at its best, Ring of Honor has. And I think that when you're running TNA, that's the exact right strategy to have. For so long, that company, probably in the pre-Jeff Jarrett days, certainly in the Dixie Carter days, in my opinion, it seemed like that company was so focused on being the next WCW, on being real competition for WWE. I'm being looked at as a WWE level wrestling promotion. And we've talked about this on the bonus show, on the captive audience show uh, on Stitcher Premium, that maybe in the early to mid 90s, a promotion could come along and realistically say, we're going to try to get this promotion big enough that we're going to challenge WWE. But that's not the case in 2018. There is no challenging WWE for the throne of wrestling promotions. WWE has just become a monster of a company. It's too big. It's a publicly traded entertainment company whose biggest export happens to be wrestling. There's too much money in it for anybody to realistically compete. If they were to compete, it would have to be a promotion that spent years. You would have to get a promotion and start right now and spend the next 10 years being a little bit more successful, a little bit more successful every year, a little bit more successful, a little bit more successful, maybe after 10 years, you could realistically, if you're continuing that trend of upward momentum, you might be able to say, hey, we're going to try to get a cable deal. We're going to try to beat WWE at their own game. But 
beyond that, there's no promotion on the landscape that's realistically going to challenge WWE for the throne. But there are a lot of eyes. There are a lot of ears out there. There are a lot of people who are ready for a different product. Some people might want a replacement. A lot of people just want in addition to. And that's where TNA is going to come in. They need to be the product that is in addition to. The real competition inside the pro wrestling industry is who is the number two. They're going to be number two way far down the line. But who is it? Is it New Japan? Is it Ring of Honor? Is it Impact? Is it, you know, any of these other promotions? Does All In become its own promotion? Is that the number two? I don't know. But the idea that... Don Callis is looking less at WWE and more at the New Japan Ring of Honor space is smart. Now the question is, will Impact be able to be the cool promotion? Impact has such a stigma on it, now more than ever, especially because the worst thing that could have happened for Impact is for people to see the success that Bobby Roode, Samoa Joe, AJ Styles, all these guys have had in WWE and NXT. Even Eric Young. Because all it does is prove EC3. All it does is prove that it wasn't the, the talent in TNA, it was the organization of TNA. Seeing all these guys succeed outside of TNA on a global level only goes to prove that TNA had the tools and didn't use them properly. And that's bad for a company. It, it makes it very difficult for anybody to put their faith in it. Now, when on top of that, you've got a company that's been seemingly, since Dixie Carter, just traded from person to person, four sides of the ring, six sides of the ring. Are we global? Are we impact? Are we TNA? Like, there, there, there is... It's really interesting because the organization has a pretty deep history, over 10 years of history, if you go back to the NWA TNA pay-per-views. But because the names have changed, like we don't, ex we don't know what the heritage of the promotion is. The promotion has not built upon itself. It just keeps starting from scratch, it feels like. So you don't have this foundation that you should have this deep into the game. This is why TNA, even though they've been around for as long as they've been around, are now less of a threat of competition than ever before because they have not built on their own momentum. Part of that is because of, of people who are in charge coming and going and coming and going. If Don Callis is taking this seriously, you know, Don Callis is a smart guy. He's been in the wrestling business for a very long time. I've been a fan of his for a very long time. He's got a great podcast. Um, if he sticks around and commits to it, then... Theoretically, there's no reason why TNA couldn't become cool. You know, really, you look at the roster. The fact that Pentagon is their champion is awesome. Pentagon is cool. Uh, I think Sammy Callahan gets people talking. Um, Conan being there as like the kind of there's only there's not that many legends, quote unquote. Conan being the one guy kind of representing that, I think is a good thing. I'm a fan of Moose. I think Johnny Impact as a face of the company is a good thing. Jimmy Jacobs being there is an extremely good thing just because he's so creative and is different. Eli Drake looks like a star. When you see Eli Drake, you're like, yeah, this is a big show. 
there are guy Cage, Eddie Edwards, all these guys, and uh, having Abyss there does lend some credibility to the fact that this promotion has been around for a long time. That's the really to me the best thing that Abyss brings to the table. Um, I think that they're here's the issue. I think that for TNA to uh, uh, for TNA to kind of break the mold, they kind of need a new look and a lot of their talent needs to be refreshed. But the issue is that TNA, Impact, whatever, has had so many new looks and has been refreshed so many times that it becomes difficult. Like, you don't get excited when you hear that there's going to be a refresh. I think that TNA or Impact, and I'm so used to calling it TNA, I think if Impact, they could do this, you know, if they want to refresh the product, I think they have to do it all in one fell swoop or very, very gradually. And it seems like right now they're going for very, very gradually. You know, if they decide to change the number of ropes on the ring again, whether they're going six sides or four sides or whatever, I think that you need to have a reason for doing it. Give me a storyline reason that the ring is changing. Give me a storyline reason that there's a new look to the show. Give me a storyline reason that there's a new name, not just, hey, here's the new name. Hey, this is the ring now. Hey, this is what we're doing. Like, make it part of the show. Make it part of the drama. Make it part of, make it episodic. Uh, that, I think, would be helpful. You know, I think it's a stretch. I, 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 I still do think it's a stretch. But, you know, I, I, it's not impossible. Uh, Richard is saying, Johnny Impact being on the next season of Survivor is good for business. Yes. Yes, it's good for business. Is it the is it the missing piece of the puzzle? Is it the key? No, it's not. But it's something. Um yeah. So, we'll see. We'll see what happens. I'm just glad that that that's the mindset. You know, it's just it's it's a healthy mindset to have and I'm glad that he feels optimistic, but I'm not as optimistic for Impact as I have been only because it's been so many stops and starts. And they have had all the talent in the world, and they have had all the creative guys in the world. They had Billy Corgan. They had Jeff Jarrett. They had Kevin Nash. They had Samoa Joe. They had, I mean, you know what I mean? Like, they had everyone you can think of running through in front of the camera and behind the camera and still were not able to click. So hopefully Don Callis can figure out what that magic formula is, but I guess we'll wait and see. I mean, part of me feels like Don should have just kind of tried to start his own thing, but I guess it takes a lot more. You can't just start your own thing. I, it's probably more difficult than I'm making it sound. All right. Let's go to, uh, yeah, I mean, and the other thing. Uh, Chloe says, I lost interest in TNA after the Hardys left. You know, they had the Hardys. They had one of the hottest things in wrestling, and still it wasn't enough to make TNA cool. When you have broken Matt, you know what I mean? And everybody's talking about this character, and it's still... Like, the Broken Matt stuff did great things for Matt Hardy's career, and it did nothing for the organization of Impact Wrestling. It did it, it did nothing. You don't even... You associate Broken Matt with Matt Hardy. You do not associate it with TNA. And it's like, you know, why? Why is that? 
because TNA dropped the ball on that. They they dropped the ball. They allowed Matt Hardy to do one of the most creative things he's ever done, but they dropped the ball on taking advantage of it. Hopefully that period for TNA is over, but I'll believe it when I see it, if that's fair, and I think it is fair. Let's go on to story number four, and we talked about... Uh, NXT a moment ago and the TNA guys that have come through NXT. Story number four uh, has a lot to do with NXT and it's the comments that John Cena made. John Cena made comments that the Velveteen Dream may very well be that next it guy. And that's more than just saying like, oh, he's a cool wrestler. That's more than just saying, you know, oh, he's really got a handle on his character. Because you can't deny that. You can't deny that the Velveteen Dream is, a, is an amazing attraction. You can't deny that the Velveteen Dream has a better lock on his character than almost anybody in the company. You know, you can't deny that the Velveteen Dream is somebody that people will pay to see. That's all been established. He steals the show on a regular basis. Uh, we don't think of him as Patrick. We think of him as Velveteen Dream, always. You go on YouTube, you find interviews with him. He stays in character. He dresses the part. He looks the part. He is the part, okay? So that is all not debatable. The conversation is, that is a big statement that John Cena is making. Let's think about the guy from a John Cena perspective. You're talking about somebody that can go day in, day out, theoretically for 10 years. By the way, John Cena longer than anybody did before him. But 10 years of being the top guy. And while John Cena had his moments, sure, where he was cheered, he was booed, he was booed, he was cheered, he was always taken at least somewhat seriously as the top guy. People always considered him a superstar, the man, when he was in that spot. And he didn't mess up. He got injured here and there, but he was quickest to recover, completely dedicated to the business. He put more time into it. He was at every show. He was making every wish. He was doing every media appearance. Like John Cena just crushed. And his quote at one of these Comic-Con Q&As that he did was that Velveteen Dream is somebody that gives him pause and makes him go like, oh, maybe that's it. And... I think that it's definitely a conversation worth having. You know, there's a lot of guys in NXT that people think are amazing right now, right? Like uh, Andrade's on the main roster, lots of good things. Johnny Wrestling, Johnny Gargano has gone out there and stolen TakeOver. I mean, how many times now? At least three, three off the top of my head. Johnny Gargano matches stole the show. Once in the tag ladder match where he and Ciampa ended their tag team. Once in his match with Andrade. Once in his match with Ciampa. So, and in his match with Ciampa, so stole the show, they're uh, going to do a rematch at the next takeover, which really doesn't happen all that often. So, you know, there are guys that are doing this thing. Some people think that Velveteen Dream's going to go up to the main roster. I just saw somebody in the Facebook chat. Velveteen Dream's going to go onto the main roster and uh, be like the Ascension, be like Tyler Breeze, be like Bailey, be, you know, be like all these characters that were beloved in NXT and just people going over the top four and then just didn't pan out on the main roster. There are people who think that. I 
personally do not. I think that the Velveteen Dream will definitely be successful on the main roster. But when you've got your Andrades, your Garganos, your Champas, your Alistair Blacks, your all these guys, EC3 is a name that's been thrown around and a name that's been thrown around by John Cena. John Cena said he wants a match with EC3 that's very, very different than John Cena saying EC3 is the dude. Very, very different. Um, you know, the idea that EC3 and John Cena could have a great match, I don't think you're you're really going out on a limb when you say something like that. But Velveteen Dream is the guy? That's going out on a limb. That's a, that's a bold statement, especially from John Cena. One of the reasons, and this doesn't get talked about enough by us fans because it doesn't really occur to us, but one of the reasons why the Velveteen Dream is a very good pick if there is going to be a guy right now, is that he's only like 22 years old. He's young. I mean, all these other guys, Aleister Black, EC3, Andrade, like they all had careers before coming to WWE. They all have a certain number of years under their belt, which is good in the sense that they gained a tremendous amount of experience and now can come to the WWE and bring that all with them. But clearly, like sands through the hourglass, so are the days of our lives. There's a, there's a clock on every superstar that's in the WWE. And it's almost as dangerous as the clock that was on the neck of that guy who robbed the bank in that Netflix movie, Evil Genius. Maybe not quite as dangerous, but still. They all end the same way. The fact that Velveteen Dream is 22 years old really leads me to believe that this is a guy that could be in it for the long haul. Velveteen Dream is a guy who could spend the next five years in NXT, theoretically, right? I don't think he will by any stretch of the imagination. He could spend the next five years in NXT, go to the main roster, spend two years becoming a main eventer. Now that's seven years. You're now talking about what? 2025 is the year we're in. Then Velveteen Dream could go for 10 years. This is some Scott Steiner math. Go and main event from 2025 to 2035. When we get to 2035, not only will we have Jaws holograms coming out of the roof of movie theaters, but... After all that, after five years in NXT, after two years of establishing himself on the main roster, after 10 years of main eventing, the Velveteen Dream in 2035 will still be younger than AJ Styles is today. That, that is why this is such a good pick. A young guy is going to be able to heal. If he's injured, young guys heal faster. It's just a fact of life. Fact is, if he's 22, he has not peaked yet. There's no possible way that he has peaked inside a ring at 22. He has gotten to where he's gotten without working with the best in the world yet. He hasn't had matches with the best in the world. I'm not talking about CM Punk either. And he hasn't reached his peak. He's still got room to grow. He's young enough that he can bounce back from any setbacks. And... Even in 17 years from now, he'll only be 39 if he's really 22, if if I'm right on that, which I think is amazing. I think that might be 
the character, the dedication to the business, the in-ring skill, the look, the fact that he's in immaculate shape, all very, very important. But the fact that he's got all that, that he's ready to, honestly, that he's ready to main event takeovers today. If you told me Velveteen Dream is going to main event takeover in Chicago, I'd be fine with it. Give me a good story leading to it, but there's no way you can tell me that that guy can't handle a main event at a takeover right now. He absolutely can. The fact that today he can handle a takeover main event after the last takeover main event was a match of the year, followed by the takeover before that main event, which was a match of the year, that Velveteen Dream can step into that position now and still only be 22? I think you're dealing with something special here. You're dealing with something special, and I'm glad that John Cena was the one to point it out. You know, and interesting that, that Velveteen Dream is the one that he picked. Interesting. I wouldn't mind seeing a match between those two. At some point, down the road. Nothing, nothing, we don't need it right now, but down the road. I just think it's a it's a really interesting proposition, and I think that, and we should know this by now, all of us should be keeping a keen eye on the rise of the Velveteen Dream. And we just hope he's young. Again, he's got time to recover, which is beautiful. But just don't, don't, don't be a dummy. Don't screw anything up. And John Cena has talked to all these guys that are all, all the NXT guys. I'm, I'm, I know that he has. So he must have some indication that Velveteen Dream has a good head on his shoulders because that's the other thing. If he's a dummy and he has all this going for him, still, he's probably screwed. But if he's not a dummy and he's got all this, deadly, deadly and dangerous. I can't wait to see how it pans out. All right, let's go to story number three. By the way, Chase says, agreed, he needs to be main eventing, uh, though it looks like it's going to be Lars versus Black unless they do Johnny versus Ciampa match again in the main event. He doesn't. Here's the beauty of Velveteen Dream. He can main event now. He doesn't need to be main eventing because he's got plenty of time to grow. He's got plenty of main events in front of him, so he doesn't need to be main eventing, but he's ready to be main eventing. Big difference there. Let's move on to story number three. Story number three has to do with All In, the match between Cody Rhodes and uh, 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 Nick Aldis, NWA Championship on the line. It was announced on Twitter. Nick Aldis made the challenge. Cody Rhodes accepted. Ring of Honor solidified it. It was announced that if Cody Rhodes beats Dalton Castle for the Ring of Honor Championship, before All In, this match becomes a title-for-title title match, meaning whoever walks out of All In wa- walks out All In. They're going into All In, and they're pushing it All In. Somebody becomes the NWA and Ring of Honor champion simultaneously. Now, I love the idea of a title-for-title title match, but I don't think this does anything for Dalton Castle. What about Dalton Castle? Did we forget entirely about Dalton Castle? Are we really already making it so that fans... Because now we're in a position where, of course, what do you want to see? An NWA championship match or a Ring of Honor title versus NWA title, champion versus champion, title for title match? You want to see a title for title match. Those are the most exciting because regardless of what happens, it's going to change everything. But... Cody's not the Ring of Honor champion. 
And it really confuses me as to why Dalton Castle didn't get this match. If he's even going to be at All-In. You know, he hasn't been announced at being at All-In. But there's lots of opponents that Cody Rhodes could have. It was a bit of a head-scratcher when he announced that he was going to be facing Nick Aldis, except, of course, that, you know, with his dad's legacy of the NWA championship, for Cody to be headlining a show that he helped put together in front of 10,000 people, a huge, huge night in the history of pro wrestling, for him to become the NWA champion like his dad once was, you know, it's beautiful, it's poetic, and you can tell a great story going into it. But there are lots of great stories to tell with Cody. And I feel like it's a, this is a rub, and maybe it's because, you know, I'm a Dalton Castle fan, but I'm a Cody Rhodes fan too. This is a rub that Dalton Castle could have used. You know, his reign as Ring of Honor champion hasn't done much for him, and it hasn't done much for Ring of Honor, in my opinion, because all the attention is still put on the Bullet Club and Cody Rhodes and the Elite and the Young Bucks and, and all this. You know, I think that when Dalton Castle won that title at the beginning of the year, it should have been uh, Ring of Honor's mission to make Dalton Castle a bigger star than ever before. And I don't think Ring of Honor has been successful in doing that. And I don't know if it's Dalton Castle not getting over, and I don't know if it's Ring of Honor not putting the energy needed to be put into Dalton Castle. But when I heard Nick Aldis was challenging Cody Rhodes, Cody was accepting, and Ring of Honor was like, okay. I was kind of like, what, what's going on here? I didn't really, I mean, maybe I, I missed tweets or whatever, but I feel like Dalton Castle should be deeply insulted that all this is going on. I feel like Dalton Castle should be out there saying, no way, like you can't, you're not going to get past me. Don't worry about what's going on with you and Nick Aldis because you're not going to get past me. Me and the boys are keeping the Ring of Honor championship. It's, it's, it's just a very odd thing. It's like, you know, it's the same reason why Backlash didn't get promoted that well before the Greatest Royal Rumble because the story was the Greatest Royal Rumble. And they want the Greatest Royal Rumble to look smaller because of it. Now, if Dalton Castle beats, if Dalton Castle keeps the title in a match with Cody Rhodes, you're kind of left going like, oh, I thought I was going to get to see a title for title match. And if Cody Rhodes beats Dalton Castle, you're kind of left going like, oh yeah, I kind of figured that would happen. Why else would they be talking about all in as much as they are, especially that match? You know, so I just, I think all around, it's a move that the timing is all off. If Cody Rhodes won the title from Dalton Castle, then have Nick Aldis threaten him. I mean, you're, you're the, the arena's sold out, and they haven't announced any way to get it on any kind of streaming or pay-per-view yet. Again, I think they will, but they haven't announced any way to get it to watch it besides being in the arena, and that's sold out. So there's no reason in this moment to build hype. StarCast is sold out. The whole thing is sold out, and justifiably so. I mean, the weekend they're putting on is incredible. But there is no reason to be putting this kind of impact on that decision right now. All it does is take away from, from a potential match in the future, you know? And Dalton Castle's beaten Cody Rhodes. And Dalton Castle's beaten, beaten Marty Skrull. 
you almost want to say, have Dalton Castle come forward and say, I'm the Bullet Club killer. I beat all these guys. Why are these guys getting all the attention? Why do these guys have Funko Pops? Why do these guys have their t-shirts and Hot Topic? You know, what about the Peacock? What about me? What about Peacock? It's like Raven, except prettier. You know, I just, I, I, I just, I don't know. I don't understand the timing of it. That's my issue with it. I don't understand the timing of it. Uh, James is asking, did the NWA pull a fast one on Cody? I don't think so. I don't think so. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't, uh, Cody, no, no, I don't, I, I think that, I don't think they would be so bold. I think that it's a big, it's a big spot for Nick Aldis to be invited to be a part of All In, especially to have this match with Cody. You know, it, it's a big spot for Nick, for the NWA Championship, for Billy Corgan, for Dave Lagana. It's it's huge for them. So I don't think they would be pushing their luck and putting Cody in an uncomfortable position or making Ring of Honor look bad. I think that this was a planned thing because, honestly, the concentration's on all in and it's not really on what's going on in Ring of Honor. So we'll see. I mean, maybe they'll... They'll use it to get interest going for this title match, and then they'll. I think there's a triple threat match coming up between Cody, Marty Skrull, and Dalton Castle. Maybe they'll pull a fast one on everyone and give the title to Marty Skrull. You know, maybe they'll have Dalton Castle wipe the mat with everybody, and Dalton says, "No, no, 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 no. I'm all in." Nick Aldis, I'll see you there. Maybe something like that. Because I think that I think that more attention needs to be paid to uh, to Peacock, to Dalton Castle. You know, he's put the work in, so I don't know. We'll see. Um, I see Justin saying Bully Ray was pretty harsh on Dalton Castle on Busted Open recently. Yeah, but I think that Bully Ray on Busted Open, he's like doing his gimmick now, right? Like, you know, when he's, you know, he says nasty things about Cheeseburger. He talks about, you know, the young guys and and how they're not good. Like, I, I think he's doing his Ring of Honor kind of heel gimmick. So, I, I mean, or unless, I don't know, I didn't hear it. But I heard him talking about Cheeseburger, and I was like, oh, he's doing the storyline thing. Um, let's move on to story number two. And that, my friends, is uh, the Nia Jax segment on Raw. Every week, it seems like, on Raw, there is one segment that I enjoy that gets me, uh, that is polarizing. There's one segment that I enjoy that gets people upset with me and makes people, you know, shout shill at me again and say like, well, he's on the company payroll. Of course he is. Company's not paying me for my tweets. I'm on the company payroll once a month or once every six weeks when I pop up, you know, for kickoff shows. Beyond that, they're not paying me to live tweet raw. I only like send like two tweets out. I think I sent one out during SmackDown, if that. On SmackDown, I was tweeting about the Pusha T Drake beef. My tweets are not on the payroll. But um, I liked what Nia Jax was doing. We talked about this last week and how I liked the Nia Jax-Ronda Rousey segment. I think that Nia Jax has been doing a tremendous job of getting me interested in her match with Ronda Rousey. When this thing was first announced, I was kind of like, whatever, because I figured it would be a throwaway match where... Ronda Rousey would not win the title. There'd be some kind of chicanery. And really, this was all about creating a scenario where Ronda Rousey gets a match with Natty and then gets another title match maybe at SummerSlam or something. I didn't take it seriously. Now, 
because of the promos being done between Nia and Ronda, I take it seriously. Here's the thing. I think the criticism on the Nia Jax angle on Raw was that, uh, oh, I love that Sam cannot say Ronda Rousey without saying her full name. Ronda Rousey. What am I going to say, Ronda? Ms. Rousey? Ronda Rousey. It's one word, Ronda Rousey. Um, the criticism against Ronda, and I already see it, I mean, against Nia, and I already see it popping up, is that Nia Jax, seemingly overnight, for apparently no reason, went from being bullied to bullying Ronda Rousey, which is true. That criticism is dead on. There's no argument for that. Now, I will say, two weeks ago on this podcast, I did a whole diatribe talking about how it didn't make any sense for Nia Jax to challenge Ronda Rousey. Now it does. Because I said it doesn't make sense for a champion to challenge the challenger. It always bothered me. But if Nia Jax is pushing Ronda around and trying to make a name for herself and and disrespecting Ronda Rousey, that challenge does make sense. I, you can only say so much. Like, you know, I, I feel most comfortable in environments like this where we can have long form conversations about opinions and really explore why we like or don't like things. Twitter is tough because I just say, I like this. And everybody goes, well, what about this? Well, what about that? Well, what about this? And I'm like, I'm not writing an essay. That's why I don't respond to everybody being like, no, that's not what I meant. I meant I like because that's not what Twitter's for. Um, I looked at it from the perspective of that segment. And I said, in this role right now, Nia Jax is doing a great job. If I turned on the TV tonight, that's what I want to do because that's the context that I liked it in. I do not like that they needed, you know, Nia Jax to be a hero at WrestleMania. So they had Alexa Bliss be bad and Nia Jax be good. And then Nia Jax is, you know, has overcome it and she represents everybody. And then at Backlash, she did that, you know, awful, I think it was Backlash when she did that awful promo about, you know, she basically did the moral of the day of every after-school special, but all in one speech. I thought that that, that that didn't pan out right. I think she's better in the role that she's in now than she was before. And if you turn on the TV, if you've only been watching wrestling for two weeks, Nia Jax is doing an amazing job. That's what I should have said. If, if you've only been watching wrestling for two weeks, if last week's Raw was your very first Raw, Nia Jax is awesome. If that was the first time you ever watched Raw, Nia Jax was awesome. If you watched Nia Jax in NXT and then you stopped watching wrestling and then you turned on Raw this week, you'd go, oh my God, I can't believe how good Nia Jax got. Ignore ignore the bully stuff. That storyline was only, didn't really, that storyline was better for Alexa Bliss than Nia anyway because it gave you know Alexa Bliss the chance to have all those Moment of Bliss vignettes, which were great. But it didn't do anything for Nia. I mean, Nia is a monster, right? In the best possible way. She can be a good guy. She can be a bad guy. But she's not going to sit there and be like, oh, don't pick on me. No, you can you can kick everybody's ass. Don't worry about people picking on you. Um, it says, uh, I don't like the commentary turning the body positive Nia to talking only about her size. Why did Stephanie have to run down Bliss, Rhonda, and Nia? Yeah, I, I, so... I don't think that I, I don't mind what the commentary is doing because Naya is still body positive. She's just aggressive about it. 
the commentary is talking about her size, not in a way of, oh my God, look how big this woman is. In a way of, look at the advantage that she has because of her size. Being body positive is not not acknowledging what your body looks like. If you have, if you're big, being body positive is embracing that bigness. Being body positive is talking about that uh, that size in an effort to say like, hey, this is an advantage that she has. Look, she's using it uh, uh, to win. Like she's huge. She's she's Ronda Rousey has never fought anybody this size. I think that that's necessary to the storyline because Ronda Rousey has beaten everybody, right? Ronda Rousey is a monster, but she's used to fighting in the UFC where there's weight classes. She's not used to fighting somebody the size of Ronda Rousey. Now, if I was Ronda Rousey and I was on commentary and the coach or Corey Graves or whoever it was said, Ronda, you've never been in the ring with somebody the size of Nia Jax, I would probably remind the coach or Corey or whoever it was that uh, I'm pretty sure I put an arm bar on Triple H at WrestleMania. So I should be fine against Nia Jax. You know, I think that that should be brought up. I like this version of Nia Jax. Um, I think it was uh, in ele- uh, uh, it wasn't exactly uh, an elegant way. She was brought to this place very inelegantly in the sense that there's no rhyme or reason for her to have this attitude, but I like her with the attitude. So I say keep it. Don't worry about it. Just keep pushing forward. And are we ever going to get a reason why? Absolutely not. But let's just deal with it and enjoy that Ronda, I mean that Naya is performing uh, at a very good level. Very good level. <laughs> Richard on Twitter says, quick poll, I mean on Facebook says, quick poll, how many people here have only been watching wrestling for two weeks? I, I'm looking at zero. Everybody who's listening to this podcast has been watching wrestling for more than two weeks. I was being tongue-in-cheek, tongue but that's the way that I'm looking at this thing. Because I think that today, Nia Jax is awesome. And that's all I'm asking. Um, she should be a heel. No one should be able to beat her. She should be cocky. Uh, she's of a size, but she can fight. Yeah, I don't mind Nia being cocky and, and bragging about how big she is and, and intimidating she is. I think that that's a good thing. All right, story number one. We get back into the business end. Look at this. Been watching wrestling since 1998, says Chase. Okay, so that's more than two weeks. I've been watching wrestling since 1986. I can pretend I've only been watching for two weeks. Shill Robert Shill, says Richard. Get the t-shirt, man. Shill Robert Shill. ProWrestlingTees.com slash Sam Roberts. Um, so, why, though, isn't Sasha challenging Ronda Rousey? Sasha's busy. She's trying to climb that ladder and get the briefcase. Story number one. Going back into WWE business because at the the time of this recording of this podcast, Wednesday, WWE stock has hit an all-time high again. I can't believe it. It drives me crazy. It really wasn't that long ago that WWE was trading at $22 a share, meaning for every portion of the company, it cost $22. Now, today, that same portion of the company is at 60 $60. It's almost tripled in value. The company, like, get this straight. Everybody that's complaining about WWE, everybody that's saying, well, you know, they're not doing the business they used to. Well, it's not as good as it used to be. Well, nobody's going, nobody's buying tickets to live events. Well, the ratings are down. Well, the company has tripled in value 
All you have to do is look at the stock. You don't have to be a financial genius to see the company has tripled in value. That would lead me to believe they're going to stick with doing what Vince wants to do. <laughs> they're, they're not listening to us. They're going to stick to doing what Vince wants to do. But I think it's a good... I love seeing WWE successful. I, I would love to see Impact be successful. I love seeing wrestling companies be successful because it's good for the industry and it's healthy for all of us. So the reason that stock went up again was because they had like a, a presentation, Fox did, about the new shows that were being brought on. And along with bringing Roseanne to Fox, I'm just kidding, that show is going to be nowhere near that network. Fox is bringing SmackDown to their weekly lineup on network television. Big, big move for Fox. A billion dollars over five years that SmackDown is going to be on that network. Huge move for SmackDown, huge move for WWE, huge move for Fox, all positive. Again, I think that it's got to be live. You know, I, I'm not concerned about that. But Rupert Murdoch himself, who's in charge of Fox News Corp, comes up and he talks about how he thinks that NBC Universal has been embarrassed of WWE's product, which is a big shot. By the way, NBC Universal, I don't think they're that embarrassed of WWE because they're paying an arm and a leg to keep Raw on. The only reason SmackDown is moving to Fox is because USA didn't want to pay for both because they're paying so much more now for Raw than they were in the last deal. Again, so great for WWE. So they said a couple of things. Number one, uh, in a, in, while they were talking about, you know, oh, you know, NBC Universal USA is embarrassed by WWE, um, they were uh, mentioning the advertising layout that they were going to do for WWE and the fact that they were going to make WWE feel like a real part of the Fox family, meaning that we're going to see commercials for SmackDown on MLB baseball coverage and NFL football coverage on Fox which is the biggest programming there is. I mean, that's massive that Fox is going to use their time on for Major League Baseball and the National Football League to advertise that the WWE is on Fox. Amazing. They also said, and this is interesting, that they are open to doing a studio show, a weekly studio show on Fox Sports 1. I would imagine some kind of uh, PTI or Sports Center, but for WWE Studio Show. And, you know, I mean, I think it's a no-brainer. I think you get Renee Young in there, Sam Roberts in there, and you're just off to the races. You know, I think that it's 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 a no-brainer, and I think that it'd be a, a big, big move for WWE and for Fox Sports 1. I, I just think it's such a positive thing, and clearly shareholders do too, because the stock is up to 60 bucks and... You know, I, I think it's going to be a really interesting time because WWE is really worth a lot of money and they're really being taken seriously as an entertainment company. And I think that this is going to shape the way WWE shows themselves off uh, going forward. You know, I think it's I think it's going to be a big deal. All right, guys. That's the state of wrestling. Uh, Matt says he wants Sam Roberts show uh, moving to Fox. Okay. I would do a Sam Roberts show on Fox, but maybe we'll start with some kind of WWE thing. Um, they need a professional broadcaster, says Justin. Yes. Yes. Um, Chloe says, I hope they can bring back Talking Smack. I, I think they would probably bring back a... a if they're going to get time on Fox Sports Network and it's going to be a weekly studio show, I think it's going to be more than just SmackDown. They're going to talk about WWE as a whole. Um, 
dear Rupert, buy the rights to SmackDown Live for five years. Do you think Rupert would like SmackDown Live to uh, have a bit more edge, a Fox attitude? I don't think so. I think the WWE is going to be able to keep programming their show the way they see fit. You know, they've been programming their show for as long as they've been programming it. They brought it to the dance. They made it this valuable. I think they're going to keep programming their own show. Uh, All right, guys. I will see you next week here on Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Uh, I appreciate you being a part of it, as always. And uh, don't forget to subscribe. iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, NotSam.com, wherever you get podcasts, we are. We'll see you next week. Goodbye. Thanks for listening. Follow at NotSam on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. And subscribe for free to listen every week to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. At American Public University, we believe that higher education can unlock higher purpose. So we offer 200 modern programs for those who want to make a difference. And we believe education must adapt to students' needs. That's why we've made it accessible through online classes and flexible with monthly program starts. American Public University. Within reach, without limits. Learn more at AmericanPublicU.com.